Hey everyone, it's Beverly Hallberg. Welcome to a special pop-up episode of She Thinks, your favorite podcast from the Independent Women's Forum where we talk with women and sometimes men about the policy issues that impact you and the people you care about most. Enjoy. Hey everyone, I'm Julie Gunlock, Director of IWF Center for Progress and Innovation. And I'm joined here today by a really fun guest, Shoshana Weissman with the R Street Institute, to discuss government efforts to crack down on what we call our foods. That's right. This is apparently, the name of foods in the grocery store is apparently a very important issue to government regulators. To give you a little bit of background on our guest, Shoshana runs the R Street Institute social media and marketing platforms as well as focusing on occupational licensing reform and other policy issues. Welcome, Shoshana. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm excited to have you on. We've wanted to have uh, you on for a while now. You do great work at the R Street Institute. And why don't you just take a minute to tell us a little bit about the R Street Institute? Thank you so much. So yeah, um, R Street's the greatest. Um, I feel so lucky to work here. We do free market policy like a lot of places, except we're kind of different because we have a lot of liberals on staff, which I really like because it means we can get things done and we always have different perspectives. Um, And we also work on things that are super not sexy and we try to make it more interesting. Um, So like flood insurance reform, um, and we'll even talk about like fire insurance and disaster insurance, but we won't do health insurance. We also don't do tax policy, but we do every other tiny little issue. And uh, I have the fun challenge of trying to market it. So like we'll come out with something wildly unsexy on flood insurance, (laughs) and I have to kind of figure out how to do that. But it's a really fun challenge, and everyone here is great to work with. Um, And we can all tease each other because we all come from different perspectives. So it's, um, it's a really great place to work. It really is. And I, I love, uh, I love, I, I work with some of the staff over there and think it's a fabulous place. You and I had a conversation on Twitter the other day about how we both love our jobs. And part of the reason is there's so much flexibility in our jobs. We, um, you know, we work for employers who consider um, the people who work for their organizations to be grown up. So there's flexibility in the hours um, and the time that you work. And there's a lot of trust. And I think both you and I both have experienced uh, the the really the beneficial um, part of working for an organization that allows people to just kind of pursue issues that interest them personally. Um, I know that's true of you. You do the social media and you do the marketing, but you also work on policy, right? Like like this issue that we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, um, so I'm a giant dork, like it's aggressive. (laughs) And it's funny, I found my passion for digital media when I was 19. And that's the thing I love doing the most. So my day job will pretty much always be digital media. But every now and then I really like doing some policy. Um, Lately, I've been doing a lot more of it than I expected to, but I love it. It's so much fun for me. And it's kind of like our street's really good at making the things I would totally be doing in my free time part of my job when I feel like it. So it's a lot of regulatory reform, a lot of Supreme Court stuff. And I know today we're going to be talking about the food labeling stuff, which also ties into me because I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> I had no idea. Well, we have to hang up now. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I know. No idea. That's so interesting. But you do write, You first of all, Shoshana's a great follow on Twitter. And at the end of this, Shoshana, I'll let you give your twi- Twitter handle and other ways in which um, 
you can follow Shoshana's work, but she is a tremendous writer. And she wrote a piece in the Washington Examiner in December, along with your colleague, Jarrett Dieterle, correct? Yeah, he's he's the best. Um, the poor guy puts up with my random whims, and I'll just be like, "Oh, can we do this today?" Um, and he's so great. He he's never like any stepping on toes stuff. Aww. He's just really great to work with, and all of our streets very much that way. So I'm like, "Hey guys, can I come scholar with you?" And they're super chill about it. That's so great. Well, you guys did indeed um, scholar together and um, wrote a great piece. Um, in the December in a, in a December piece for the Washington Examiner um, called Word Games Government Targets Veggie Meat and this um, it, it, you wrote it, it was actually very funny but it, you know in, in some of these issues and I think Shoshana you and I both cover issues that sometimes you just can't believe you're writing about the government giving a crap about things like veggie sausage or you know cauliflower rice or almond milk um, but give us kind of a brief description of why the government cares about this. For sure. So um, I, I'm a vegetarian. And for as long as I've been a vegetarian, when um, when you go to the grocery store, you can tell what's a veggie burger, what's a meat burger, um, almond milk versus rice milk. And now cauliflower rice has become a thing. And um, I tend to try to go low carb and high fat and protein. So it's really nice for me to have cauliflower. Um, so when you go to the supermarket, you can tell the difference. But government thinks we're all too stupid to tell the difference. And I will grant that some people think that chocolate milk comes from brown cows. That's a separate problem. Government can't fix that. That's not up to government. We already have food labels. So it's not like all these companies are hiding their food labels and you can't see and you know there's no way to tell. The, the labels are there. All of it's pretty clear. Like for example, um, almond milk, there's a brand called Almond Bre uh, uh, sorry, Almond Breeze. And you can see it. it it's like it's like a picture of milk and almonds together. Uh, coconut milk is natural. Um, just like straight from coconuts. But um, big industries, unfortunately, as a lot of people know, have a lot of pull with government. Um, and I'm all for free market capitalism, like just go do your thing and don't hurt anyone else's ability to do their thing. And this is what this is. Government's trying to make it so um, so veggie burgers can't use words that meat uses. So like veggie chicken, you know what that is. If you look at it, you, it'll often say vegan or vegetarian. Um, yeah. because if it didn't, I wouldn't buy it because I'd be like, oh, that has meat. I'm not going to eat that. Um, so basically they, they have incentive to make it really clear. M maybe not all industries have that, but this particular one does. And the same goes for people who can't have milk or who prefer against milk and go for an almond breeze or people who want low carb rice. So they'll go for um, cauliflower rice, which is a bit different, but you can you can tell. Um, but the big industries have a lot of pull. So across the country, all these states are like, oh wait, let's how how about we ban these words? We'll just straight up ban words so uh, they can't use them. And it's um it's occurring in a bunch of different ways and different bills focus on different parts of the industry. Um, honestly, a lot of this is happening now because of cell-based meat. No one's really sure what they're going to call it, but it's right. like the, the lab-grown meat stuff. Right. Um, so that's prompted a lot of this. And and when we got into this, I'm like, I'm a vegetarian. If anyone knows this stuff and wants the free market to work, it's me for this because I love like Gardein and Tofurky. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's interesting because, I mean, you have, so one of the, um, one of the states and one of the laws that you discussed in your piece was Missouri passing a law, making it illegal to quote unquote, misrepresent a product um, as meat, if it is not derived from from harvested production, livestock, or poultry. That's actually a quote from the legislation. And, you know, so you, what you're saying here, what the government is essentially saying, and I want to get back to that whole stupid idea, is that 
that people actually think that a veggie, like they're going to get confused, that they're going to bite into their veggie burger and taste chickpeas and get angry because they thought burger was meat. Now, I don't know if specifically veggie burger because they're not, burger isn't actually a definition of, of meat, but I understand what you're saying. You know, it's like tofu, tofu, furky or something like that. Um, it really is a symbol, I think a great symbol of how stupid the government thinks we are. But it's also, as you mentioned, it's sort of this crony capitalism. So are you seeing, uh, are, are these laws, are a lot of the, is it sort of the dairy industry or, you know, the, the ranchers and cattlemen or the beef industry, are they really pushing for these laws? Oh, absolutely. And it's really funny, but I found this um, also when our street worked on the farm bill and trying to get reform there. My favorite thing is I, I don't understand it. And it's not just this industry, but um, you'll see the advocates say stuff like farmers deserve better. What, right. what does that even mean? <laughs> right. Like it, it's clear they're allowed to do everything they want to do. And so are, you know, people who make veggie burgers. And honestly, the worst thing that's going to happen is someone buys it, realizes it's vegetables. Anyone who has allergies, they'll know because it says on the ingredients or it'll say big, you know, tofu. So if you're allergic to soybeans, you'll be like, that's not something I'm going to eat. Right. Or um, if you're allergic to almonds, like it says almonds all over it. So right. th there's no harm done. Um, and it's it's just about government trying to get to, trying to protect the industries, and yeah. it's really disappointing because I'm I'm both a small government person, or not even just small, but reasonable. Like, come on here, um, um, food labels are great; it really helps me. But um, uh, be, you know, because I'm very strict well, about being vegetarian. Well, it's interesting. I I too agree that um, you know I appreciate food labels. I occasionally uh, do try keto. Uh, you know, until someone hands me a bagel, but, um, <laughs> I, you know, you know, I spend an hour or two each day, uh, doing the keto diet. And so I like looking at carbohydrates. I like looking at added sugars. And so I do like food labels, but in some ways food labels can go so crazy. So a couple years ago, and I'm sure you remember this. Well, maybe, yeah, I think, I think, I don't know if you were at our street or, um, or doing policy at that point, but a couple of years ago, uh, the Center for Science and the Public Interest, which is an organization, an activist organization that really, really pushes all sorts of uh, regulations, and they they do a lot of fear mongering out there on food. They were pushing for um, major big box stores, major big box grocery stores, to add uh, what they called a little green. Well, actually, they didn't design it. They just wanted. I think the what they wanted was a stoplight. Um, label on foods, and so if it, if it was what they deemed as unhealthy, okay, and let's 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 take something that we can all kind of agree isn't really healthy. I mean, Doritos, sure, there's fiber, <laughs> right? But I mean, let's. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and defend Doritos, okay? It's not the healthiest thing. <laughs> I don't think there should be bans on it, but you know, so they, they would want a big red stoplight on the bag of Doritos, okay, to tell the consumer this isn't healthy, right? And so. Walmart responded and they had this big rollout of this new labeling regime that they were going to do. It was voluntary. It wasn't government where they put a little green guy with his arms up. It was a teeny little label and it was to signify a healthy product. Right. And I remember going to the rollout and how excited they were. Right. These these executives, you know, they had titles like vice president of sustainability, you know, vice president of healthy food or whatever. Yeah. And I'll never forget, uh, the head of Center for Science and the Public Interest um, stands up and says, um, yeah, we like these labels, but we would like to know when you're only going to sell food with the little green guy. 
And that's really like, it, right? I mean, that's the that is the point, right? With these like, la- I mean, some of these labels are absurd. And the other thing that kind of bothered me about that was that you have I always pictured the mom in the grocery store, right? And she's holding a bucket of ice cream and a bag of carrots. And she's like, which one? I don't know which one is healthy, right? And then she goes, Oh, thank God, there's a little green guy on the bag of carrots. Now I know which one I should buy. I mean, it's so incredibly insulting. So I mean, yes, I like labels in some ways, but the sort of the the hysteria, the sort of label fever can go a little far. Oh, absolutely. It, it's it's wild. And one of my favorite parts of this, someone at Quartz had reported this and it totally made my day. Um, I've had, I had rice milk when I was growing up because my parents would try out different kinds of non-cow milk. And honestly, rice milk is disgusting. It tastes really nasty. I would not have it ever again. It's fine if you like, that's cool. But, um, and it's called Rice Stream. Like that's one of the famous brands. But um, so so the rice industry is chill there. They're like, oh yeah, people can tell the difference. But the rice industry is also super, super pissed off at uh, cauliflower rice. So, oh, don't hurt our territory, <laughs> but we can go off and do that. So I'm like, oh, you would. Like, I hate you so much. You know, if, if you like, if you believe it, I and we disagree, okay. But they knew what they're doing if, if they yeah. think that like rice milk is fine. Yeah, and yeah, an industry is definitely going to protect whatever. You know, the, the thing is, is that when you when we're talking about the dairy industry, I mean, really, milk consumption in this country is in the toilet. It really is. P- kids are not drinking as much milk. Adults, I mean, to be honest with you, I think you're a monster if you drink a, a glass of milk. I don't understand people. <laughs> Pour themselves a glass of milk. I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. Yeah. Unless cookies being dipped in that milk. I don't get drinking glasses of milk. Yeah, I, honestly- I honestly, and I grew up without, um, my, my parents were hippies. They still are. I kind of am. Um, they, as you can tell by my rainbow hair. Um, but I've, I've kind of stopped having, like, I never had a soda growing up. So if there's like yeah. a craft soda or just something that looks interesting, I might give it a shot. But I, I don't drink soda. I don't really drink anything but coffee, water, and tea, which I know is better for you. Um, and, and I get that a lot of people, some people were concerned, oh, well, people don't realize that um, that almond milk genuinely doesn't have the same nutritional value as right. uh, regular milk. So that's why we have labels with the right. freaking nutrition on it. Like, you know, people can make a mistake and then realize it. And milk can add labels saying the only, the only milk uh, or only cow milk has this kind of nutrition. Sure, go for it. But to be like, oh, you can't call your thing this, even though it's exi- almond milk has existed for hundreds of years and yeah. it's been called almond milk. But you can't do this thing anymore because reasons and government like it, it's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> it's interesting. That was one. Uh, can you tell us a little bit? OK, I'm fascinated by this because to be honest with you, I thought almond milk was a new thing, but it's not. You just you just kind of glided over that. But tell us how long has I had no idea it'd been around so long. Yeah, I actually didn't either. And I've had it forever, but I, it never crossed my mind. I figured like, well, what were they going to do? Like smash almonds and make stuff? I guess they might have. I'm not really sure how it was made. But um, when we were doing the research for the piece, we're like, wait, this has existed for hundreds of years. Like we didn't know that. And so have a lot of these kinds of things. Um, and it's funny, like my, uh, there, there's this place called, it's hilarious. It's called Super Elephant in Queens, New York. So my dad, uh, he still lives on Long Island. He'll go and get like lots of their veggie meat and it's from China. Um, so there's all these like really cute things that you can only get there and it's really hard yeah. to get elsewhere. And their duck is like shaped like a duck and it's really silly. Um, and it's, it's so funny, but it's like, imagine the, the import stuff that's going to be on that. Like when I can go out and get my vegan shrimp, like I'm not going to be able to get that anymore. Um, But it's wild because this stuff has existed for a really long time. Not all of it was very popular, 
Um, oh, and my favorite part is there are people who are, they'll argue against coconut milk. Coconuts are just like they're producing their own milk, being like, we're, we're just doing whatever. And it's like, oh, no, you can't say that. And coconuts must be like, what the hell? <laughs> we're doing, a, we're just being a coconut. What's wrong with being a coconut? Yeah. You know, what? one other interesting thing that you mentioned earlier in the, in the podcast is you brought up lab meat. And I really think, I, I you know, I'm really fascinated by this. But I, I think, for instance, I brought up lab meat to my mom um, a, a couple weeks ago, I was just mentioning it. She didn't know. She didn't know that this has existed. So tell us a little bit. Um, first of all, give the listeners a little bit of an explanation of lab meat. And then also, um, where do you think, how do you think the regulatory sort of situation, what, what's the, what, what, what are they facing? What is that industry facing? So I've actually talked to people in the industry and they, they were some of the ones who informed us that this was even occurring. And then that we saw the FDA letter and there have been versions of this fight happening in a lot of different ways for a long time. Um, Institute for Justice has been doing a lot of work on this for a really long time, but um, or um, on, on the milk side more than the meat side. But basically, um, I don't totally understand how it works, but you can basically take meat now and grow, grow like more meat from that. So it starts with an original animal cell and you can grow more. And um, they're not even sure how it's going to be labeled yet. I think they're still trying to figure that out because they want to be honest and they want to tell people what it is because that'll be a selling point for them. You know, it's more ethical meat. Um, You don't have to hurt animals. And I'm a lifelong vegetarian, but also like I stay a vegetarian because um, one, I, I feel pretty good being vegetarian, and two, I want to pet everything and I love animals. Yeah. So it would it would be nice that even if it's not for me and even if I don't go for it, that people can choose this more ethically sourced animal yeah. meat. And um and it, there's also good. Oh, um, our street does some climate change policy. This would be good for climate change because I know the cow fart thing is silly, but it it, it does have its. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, all, of ag- all of agriculture, all of that, frankly, uh, contributes very low, like under 5% of, of um, y- you know, the carbon. So it's not, so at all oh. of agriculture, and I mean, that includes the transportation back and forth to the store and the production and the slaughter and all of that. And, and so it is, it is very low. And I, and I, you know, again, I'm not, I agree with you. I am all for people having choices. But on the climate change reasoning, it's just, look, fine, if you want to attack the 5%, but there's other things that are more significant. I kind of feel oh, like, yeah. I kind of feel like it's the Starbucks and straws issue. Yeah, look, exactly. We know that the ocean pollution is not coming from Starbucks user, you know, customers. Oh, absolutely. So, um, so, but I, but I get it. And I really, I also agree that there is, I mean, I have, I have very good friends who um, feel very conflicted about this. It's very interesting to watch sort of the religious right has come out, uh, for instance, Mary Eberstadt, um, you know, she is a noted scholar and um, writes a lot on, on Christianity and, um, and other policy issues. And she, she has written extensively about how she is now very conflicted and, and really wants um, conservatives to focus more on animal rights. And so oh, I, yeah. I really, I think this is an important issue and I think lab grown meat is, is the future. Um, but it will be interesting to see the regulatory structure around it. The other thing that's really interesting is that there's, there's meat out here, out there now, like the impossible burger that is completely vegetarian, uh, and tastes like meat. Now, have you tried that? Yeah, I really like it. It's funny. Um, it's not my favorite. I like it a lot and it's great, but it's, it's so funny because it's not what I thought meat would have tasted like. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I was like, I, I don't know what I thought it would be like, but I'm like, I guess uh, the veggie meat crumbles I always assumed were closer to meat than this, but I like it though. Yeah. Um, 
but, but it's, it's, it's giving it's giving people more options and yeah. and the problem is is the government what we I think what worries a lot of people especially that are are free market folks and and liber, you know libertarian leaning is how this could potentially mess it up we know that when the government and certainly the regulators get involved there's obvious there's oftentimes less choices and so yeah. So, I mean, it's just interesting to contemplate what's, you know, what the world will be like in a hundred years. Will we have, you know, no animal slaughter, maybe some still in developing worlds, but will, will it all be lab grown meat? Will it be these vegetarian options that taste exactly like meat? Um, it's really fascinating to think of the future in this area. Yeah. And I'm not sure how it'll develop. Like, I, I hope that the lab uh, based meat um, ends up working out because it would be good, just better to animals. And I'm, I'm very big into animal rights, not in a PETA way where I'm going to tweet out like a picture of a cow breastfeeding a dude, <laughs> which was really uncomfortable to look at. But, you know, just to be better to animals to the extent we can. Um, and and I've, I've always been very much that way. Even when I drink milk and eat eggs, I, I feel kind of guilty because I know that the industries could be a little bit better there. But um, but any any level of improvement is good, and even if it helps the environment, that's great. It's not the the most necessary thing, right? Because um, I know it is a small part, but maybe the, there will be innovations there that other companies will realize, like, oh, maybe we can do this for fruits or veg. I don't know if it'll work right. that way, but maybe growing um, other things will end up being better for the environment. And I don't know. Um, I I know a lot of this ends up having really important impacts on um on places where people are starving. That you know, if you find a new way to grow food, that it ends up working really well for them. So I know while people are fighting GMOs, it's really helped out there. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited about the possibilities, but I, I often worry, how how is government going to get in the way of this? Are they well, going to stop the, something the before other, it starts? The other thing that uh, they don't, uh, the government involvement doesn't only harm, and I know you agree with this, but government doesn't only harm our, our already established um, businesses, but it really kills innovation. And I think that's something that we constantly focus on at IWF is how these regulations sort of send a message, right? Like why do you, I mean, I, the, the, you mentioned GMOs, the attacks in this country by activists and abroad, of course, I mean, my goodness, you can't use GMOs in mo most of Europe uh, you can't grow them or import them. And, and that's spreading because of activists freaking out um, some governments in, in Africa, it's spreading to African countries as well. Um, where they especially need it, like, you know, um, genetically modified plants that can grow in drought situations or can take the intense heat or have different kinds of pests or weeds that grow. All of these plants can be modified in order to, to withstand that. And then, of course, the issue with golden rice, where you're fortifying rice uh, with vitamins that can save millions of children from blindness and death. And so, and yet the activists say, you know, have, have put up have, you know, fear, have, have, have created such a panic about golden rice that it's not deployed. Um, you know, what does that say to the scientific community? What does that say to industries that might fund this kind of research? It says, don't even bother. Just don't bother. Cause you're going to spend, you know, two decades developing this life-saving food or this, you know, for instance, Im impossible burger or, you know, cause there's, yeah. already, there's, uh, we, we're already seeing activists getting nervous about Impossible Burger. What does it have in it? What chemicals does it have in it? Oh, does it have this one bad teeny amount of, you know, the chemical that might, you know, cause death if you drink, you know, a train load of it, but, you know, one teeny drop isn't going to harm you. So, um, so I, I do worry tremendously about um, how government can, can also, and it's not just the activists, how government can really basically, you know, be a wet blanket on innovation. 
Oh, absolutely. I, I worry about the exact same things. Um, and, you know, I'd, I'd even be comfortable if um, I'm not as big a fan of it, but I, I do understand if um, if we decided that GMOs have to label themselves as such or if, um, you know, if um, so, stuff like that, I don't mind having to add to the label as long as they're able to say it accurately, like say that, hey, this is meat and I'm not yeah. sure. I don't think they're even sure what the qualifier is going to well, be. The funny, the funny thing on the GMO labeling thing is that the activists are so angry because now they do have to label it through the barcode. What the activists wanted was literally a skull and, you know, crossbones. <laughs> you know, they really wanted like some super scary label saying like, you know, this this has GMO and you might die if you eat it. You know? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so what's funny with the GMO labeling thing is now they're they're all labeled. Right. And they got that passed. But it doesn't really scare anyone. And so the activists are very unhappy with with that new regulation. But of course, um, you, you know, companies are welcome to do this stuff voluntarily and put whatever labels on. But the activists really want scary labels. They don't want they don't want to inform. Right. They want to dissuade people from buying it. If you can, um, hear, if you can. Speaking of um, of animal loving, I'm going to let my dog in because he's. Uh, he's <laughs> at me, and I don't want him to bark in the podcast. All right. <laughs> Do you have any pets, Shoshana? No, but I love them. I I love dogs. I I oh. want to play with everything, and um, it's really hard to own a sloth. So that doesn't Do seem you in the cards yet. Own a sloth? So you can. Texas is really good or bad. That depends on the way you look at it. With how uh, with with allowing people to own stuff like that. Um, it's really, they're just very time consuming. My goal is to be rich enough so I can like have access to a zoo and pet the sloth whenever I want. I think that's the goal right now. Okay. Wait, uh, we have to back up just a little bit cause I didn't get a clear answer. Do you own a sloth? Um, we can talk about that. No. <laughs> oh, okay. I got it. Uh, yeah. Well, just to, to people listening, Shoshana has, um, kind of fixation on sloths um, uh, on her Twitter feed. So that's another thing that you'll enjoy is her uh, <laughs> uh, posting pictures of sloths. Okay. Uh, we will, yeah, cover that on another podcast. Well, listen, um, uh, I, I want to give you a moment to give your Twitter uh, handle and anything else you want to share. Oh, thank you so much. No, thank you so much for having me. And um, you can follow me on Twitter at Senator Shoshana. Um, I'm not a senator, um, but a lot of people think I am, and that's really bad for democracy, um, which is why I'm an anti-majoritarian. Um, and follow R Street on Twitter at RSI. We do a lot of really cool work, and um, and we try to be really fair about it. We take criticism, but um, I, I love my job. And if you're interested in learning more, um, or if I can ever be helpful to anything that you guys or anyone else is doing, always feel free to reach out. Well, we adore you, Shoshana. You have a big fan club at IWF, and I'm really excited that I got to be the one to uh, to interview you. So, oh, you're the <laughs> best. Thank you so much for talking to me about this. Well, this is great, and we'll have you on again. Um, for listeners, we hope you take something new, uh, something away new from today's conversation. If you enjoyed this episode of She Thinks or like the podcast in general, we'd love if you could take a moment to leave us a rating or review on iTunes. This helps ensure our message, our message reaches as many Americans as possible. Share this episode and let your friends know they can find more She Thinks episodes on their favorite pop podcast app. From all of us here at IWF, don't forget, you're in control. I think, you think, she thinks.